to you today a message called Drop the Mic. Anybody familiar with the phrase drop the mic? Hey, in case you're not, we have a couple of definitions so you can kind of understand what drop the mic is. Let's put those definitions up. Here's one. Dropping the mic is a gesture of intentionally dropping one's microphone at the end of a performance or speech to signal triumph. So it's when you deliver something so good, there's nothing else you add, so you just take the mic and you're gone. I'm done. That's dropping the mic. There's another definition that I want you to see up here. Figuratively, it's an expression of triumph for a successful event and indicates a boastful attitude towards one's own performance. There's nothing you can add. That's it. Let's go to the next one. Dropping the mic is an action performed after getting the better of someone. You ever gave somebody a zinger? Just felt good. Then you regretted it. You ever been zinged by somebody? And like you thought of a comeback three days later? I wish I would have known that. Okay, what's the next one? Dropping the mic is calling out someone so hard that you just walk away and everybody's stunned and defined as an extremely theatrical form of punctuation, often done by performers who have never actually had to purchase a mic. <laughs> and all the sound men said, amen. You know, the funny thing is when you drop a mic, it dents the, uh, it dents the screen there and it can mess up the inside, much like... Some of the things that we say in the heat of the moment, we feel it right then, right? Anybody know who I'm t- what I'm talking about today? Have you just said something that you wish you could have got it right back in, punched the rewind, and just never left that thing? You know, the thing is, sometimes we just let things fly. And even though we go back and, and make things right, still the sting of those words can can linger and sometimes it just takes a healing from God for people to move past that well today we're going to look at a couple of different versions of dropping the mic in fact I was I was thinking about today's message and I was thinking about the story of a uh, a college student in Oklahoma one of the largest one of the largest colleges in the state he was in a class there was about 400 450 students in there and the particular and the professor in that particular class um, had a strict time ending policy. In other words, when the time was over, you're supposed to put your pencils down and not work anymore. Well, this student had gotten a little bit behind and he really needed to make a good grade on the test. So when the time was up, he kept working. The problem was with this particular professor, if he saw your pencil up after time had been called, you got a zero for the test. Well, the student just kept on working. Everybody else's pencils are down. They're filing to the front. They're putting their exams on the professor's desk. Guy's up there still working on his. He needs to get a good grade. And so when the entire classroom is empty, the professor says, young man, time is over. You're going to get a zero on your exam. So the young man put his pencil down and walked to the front. And the professor looked at him and he said, young man, you know it's a strict policy in my class that if you work past the time, then you get a zero on this exam. The student looked at him and he said, do you know who I am? 
professor looked at him and he said, I have 400 to 450 students in this class. I have no idea who you are. At which point the student picked up the exam, slipped his in the middle, shuffled him, dropped him on the desk and left. Dropping the mic. You know, I think we're all naturally wired to drop the mic, to get the best of someone, to throw a zinger at someone, to call someone out hard. In fact, I think it was Friday, we were going to a movie. Becky and Samuel and I were going to see the new uh, Captain Marvel movie. We're going down Sonsi. We'd had a red light. We're the first car in line. And a pickup truck pulls up beside me and inches forward a little bit. Anybody know what that means? That means it's no longer salty. It's a drag strip. So I'm just waiting. I'm just hanging back. You know, because normally if you start inching up, they know you're getting ready to take off. So they're going to inch up some more. And when the green light goes, it's like dead open. I'm just hanging back. But baby, when that light turned green, boom, I hit the gas and we're off like a shot. He was doing the same thing, and we're racing down Sauncy. Officer Marino, you're not in the crowd, are you? Please don't tell Officer Marino that. And at that very moment, Becky looked over at me. She goes, stop, not with me in the car. Took my foot off the gas, and I pouted for the rest of the day. Because I lost that race. Ruined my day. Becky, in my own car, dropped a mic on a brother. She did it. <laughs> I, I'm just here to encourage you guys today that we are all naturally wired to drop the mic. But I submit to you today that if we learn what to do when we drop the mic... We can move past our natural response and actually bring life in any and every situation that we face. Today, I want to give you two principles about dropping the mic. And if you're taking notes, and you should be, I want you to write these down. The very first point, there's two points today, and I want you to catch these. Sometimes we need to drop the mic and don't say anything. Sometimes we just need to drop the mic and not say anything. In 2009, at the Video Music Awards, which was being watched by 9 million people, Taylor Swift won won an award for the best female video. So she got up to get her award. The microphone came on. And as she was delivering her speech of thanks for receiving her award, Kanye West came right up on stage and took the microphone from Taylor and said, I'm going to let you finish in a minute. And then he goes on to say, I just want you to know Beyonce has the best video of the decade. She should have won the award. And then handed the microphone back to Taylor. The fallout on Kanye after doing that was incredible. And I bet once he was thinking back to that, I bet he thought, I wish I would have dropped the mic and not said anything have you ever been there have you ever just let something fly like a flock of doves and you're wishing so much you could take it all back in 
Well, today, I just want to submit to you, there is a time that we need to drop the mic and not say anything. You see, we're all created uniquely different and awesome. Now, sometimes when we say we're all created uniquely different, we don't know how to react with that because we think, you just called me weird. (laughs) You're unique. Now, I want you to know you're created uniquely different and you're awesome. There's no one else in this building on this planet just like you. You bring something new to the table just by waking up in the morning. And I want you to know that you're unique and you're awesome. But sometimes we can let the way that we're wired become a hindrance to what we're trying to do. You know, some people just say, I'm just going to be real. And then they clean your plow, right? Well, what we need to learn to do is, is to know when to drop the mic and not say anything. I submit to you today that we have a choice. We're not locked into responding according to how we are naturally wired. You see, we grew up in America. I live in America, and it is my God-given right to say what I want, when I want, to whomever I want. Can I submit to you, that's probably not the best plan, because so many times we are led by our emotions or our feelings instead of by the Word of God, and sometimes if we'll just drop the mic and not say what we really, really want to say at that moment we'll realize that God is protecting us from some of the fallout of what we might be getting ready to say. You see, it's our choice to fight against negative talk, against negative posts, and against negative rants. Pastor Richie mentioned this a few weeks ago. We're not going to change anybody's lives on Facebook by, by getting into a verbal brawl with somebody we don't even know. So sometimes we just need to drop the mic and not say anything. Let me just tell you what the Word of God says. This Proverbs 17, verse 27 says this. He who has knowledge restrains. Somebody say restrains. I don't know about you. I don't like to restrain. I like to just let it go. It feels so much better to let it go. But listen to what the Word of God says. He who has knowledge restrains and is careful with his words. And a man of understanding and wisdom has a cool spirit, which means self-control and an even temper. Now listen to this next part. This is crazy. Even a callous, arrogant fool. Even a callous, arrogant fool, when he keeps silent, is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is regarded as sensible, prudent, discreet, and a man of understanding. Church, I'm just saying, there are times that we need to drop the mic and not say what we really want to. Because sometimes what we really want to say, we're feeling in the heat of the moment. But the devastation that that's going to bring is going to take months to overcome. Sometimes we just need to drop the mic. You know, that particular verse or group of verses means literally that we need to run, run away from speech that is free of careful consideration of consequences and run from a quick temper, even when provoked. 
That verse literally means that we need to think before we speak. If the first time that you're thinking about what you're getting ready to say is the moment it leaves your lips, you might need to drop the mic. You see, even a person who acts unwisely is considered wise when he holds his peace. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says this, there's a time to keep silent and a time to... It's a time to keep silent. So we have to learn how to navigate. When am I supposed to be quiet? When am I supposed to speak? Because I don't know about you, but so many times I am quick to speak. But that thing that I let just fly out of my lips is causing pain and destruction in somebody. In fact, a few years ago, Becky and I were doing a, a crusade in Fresno, California at the People's Church. Pretty incredible crusade. I mean, Thousands of people were giving their lives to Jesus. Right in the middle of the crusade, we were going out to eat one night with a group uh, of people from the church after the crusade. So we're sitting down. Becky and I are pretty close to the middle of the table. And so I'm talking with the people kind of on the right hand of the table. Becky's talking with the lady across from us and kind of to the left hand of the table. So in the course of conversation, you know, we're just, we're talking about stories from the road and sorts of things that happen in the church and all this kind of thing. But Becky's talking to a lady who just makes a statement in the past few months, my husband passed away. So they're having a whole conversation about that, that I did not hear. So I finished my conversation and my hand is up on the table. At that time I had a a wedding ring that was one of those gold nugget rings, which I thought was really cool. So after this conversation about this lady's husband passed away, which I did not hear, she starts commenting about my ring. She said, you know, my husband had a a gold nugget ring just like that. And he loved it without missing a beat. I said, I stole it right off his finger. (laughs) Becky is kicking me under the table. And she said, babe, I don't think you heard her say that her husband has passed away. I wanted to leave the table and die. I am done. I wish I could have brought those back. I just, it was horrible. It was horrifying. And she was so gracious, so kind. But that's one of those moments that I wish I would have dropped the mic and not said anything. And I'm willing to bet there's a lot of us in here that's probably had some of those moments in our life. Maybe it's happened this week. Well, I want you to know, when you let that go, God can come in and bring healing. You need to go back and make things right and just trust that God is going to heal that. Listen, I wish I had dropped the mic. I wish I had remained silent. And the reason that God's word is so valuable in our lives is that we can avoid a lot of those, I wish I wouldn't have said that moments by just keeping silent. You see, James 1 says this. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must be all quick to, quick to, slow to, and slow to get. Anybody have trouble with that verse? Like I am quick to speak, slow to listen, and so many times my fuse just goes boom. And the word of God is, is given to us not to be some giant cosmic killjoy in the sky. The word of God is given to us to be a protection in our lives. And so when we get back to the word of God, we begin to understand there are times in our lives when we need to drop the mic and not say anything. 
I learned this from Becky. You know, you get right in the middle of a heated argument. You guys ever argue? You guys are like, oh no, I never argue with my spouse. I'm just telling you, we throw down to argue. And right in the heat of the battle, what I've learned is there are some things that even though they cross my brain, they don't need to leave my mouth. Because there are some things that I've let fly that I, I did not mean them in any way, shape, or form. But now I've planted a seed in Becky that that's how I look at her. And I thank God for the grace of God on Becky's life because she still loves me even in the midst of those stupid moments. Sometimes, church, I'm just saying, we need to learn when to not say anything. Ladies, can I get a good amen? Yeah. <laughs> to be totally honest, some of you ladies amen that pretty good. <laughs> amen, brother. <laughs> You see, naturally, I'm wired to do the opposite, but supernaturally, I can choose to drop the mic. So there's another part of dropping the mic. Sometimes we need to drop the mic and not say anything, but sometimes we need to drop the mic and speak intentionally. Have you ever noticed uh, when the worship team is up and they're getting ready to hit that high note, they drop the mic and they lean back a little bit because the, the sound, when they push their voice, makes a tone that they want to produce. But you have to pull the mic back so that out here the tone sounds good and it doesn't sound distorted. It's like they lean back and go, oh, I'm on me. Thank you very much. The problem is, if they didn't pull back on the mic, it would sound a lot more like this. And what was intended as a beautiful tone, because it's distorted, would not be pleasing to those that were designed to receive it. Church, I'm saying there's sometimes that we need to drop the mic, lower the intensity a bit, so that when we communicate with people, they're able to receive the message and not be repulsed by the delivery. Now this week, uh, we went to uh, Six Flags with the students, and it was fun. No, it really was fun. <laughs> we had a good time. I love amusement parks. But there's one there called uh, the Texas Giant. In the very first hill, it's a 154-foot drop, and it's almost inverted. In fact, some of the roller coaster shows that they show roller coasters around the world, this roller coaster has been on. In fact, two of them at Six Flags have been on this, because this drop is almost inverted. If you sit in the very back, then when the front cars are uh, propelled over that hill, it literally feels like you're being catapulted out of your seat. I mean, it's the craziest feeling ever. So we're getting ready to get on this 154-foot drop. The last words of instruction by the ride operator sounded a little bit like this. <laughs> Enjoy your ride. <laughs> I don't know what she said, but I know I'm getting ready to go down 154 feet at a rapid pace. She might have just said, you know, the last three cars flew off the train and everybody died. <laughs> That's important information for me to know. But I couldn't hear it because she was distorted. And if she would have just pulled back a little bit,
every one of us in that car that day could have received the message that she wanted to give us. Sometimes we need to drop the mic so that the beautiful message that you are bringing is not distorted. You see, the microphone is the device that delivers the singer's song. Use your devices, use your method of delivery to spread the love and hope of Jesus to people that desperately need it. There's a guy in Denton. Becky and I lived in Denton for about four years. And Denton has one of those old-time squares, a courthouse right in the middle. And so you go down there on the weekends, you know, there'll be people playing guitars with their with their guitar cases open, you give them tips. You might, you might see a fire breather. You might see circus acts. You might see bands playing out there. I mean, it's, a pretty, it's a pretty cool venue uh, just to walk around. There are people just hanging out on, uh, in lawn chairs and you know, eating picnic lawn, uh, baskets and all that kind of stuff. But there, occasionally there was this guy that would bring his own speaker. And he had several signs up with uplifting messages like, you're going to hell unless you repent, turn or burn. And then he'd always get on his microphone and he'd be screaming at people like he's mad at somebody. It sounded like, (laughs) and do you know that in the four years of living in Denton, I can't remember one person that stopped to engage the message that he was trying to present. I mean, he had a good message. People need Jesus. But his method of delivery was so repulsive to people that they couldn't receive the message, even though it was a great message. Church, sometimes we need to drop the mic and speak clearly and passionately, but gently, the things that God has put on our hearts to speak. You see, 1 Peter 3.15 says this, But have reverence for Christ in your hearts and honor him as Lord, Be ready at all times to answer anyone who asks you to explain the hope you have in you, but do it with, do it with, and, right, keep your conscience clear. Do it with gentleness and respect. That, That verse is incredible. That word revere literally means to have a deep respect or admiration for. In other words, it's encouraging us to recognize God's glorious perfections, God's goodness, and to talk about that constantly. You see, when it's talking about having a reverence, having a deep respect and admiration, that admiration is for Jesus, not necessarily for them, because they may just be totally out in left field. And I don't know about you, but when somebody gets in my face with a bunch of crazy, I want to get right back in their face with a bunch of crazy. And I'm telling you, those things begin to escalate and nothing, well, rarely does anything good come out of that. So the the respect and admiration is not necessarily for them, but it's respect and admiration for our Lord who loves them and has a message possibly that he wants to give through you to them. But if you give that in a way that they cannot receive, they're not going to receive the things that God wants them to have that day. That's why it says with a clear conscience. Because we have great admiration and respect for him. Because of that, we want to give people what God has put on the inside of us. We want to deliver that in a way that they can receive that. 
And this particular scripture is not talking about those that, that have an inquiring mind. Not those that are coming around going, tell me a little bit more about Jesus because I want to put my faith in him. It's not talking about those. This particular scripture is talking about people that are against what you're saying. And in this context, what he is saying is even in that, people that are potentially offended, those that don't have a revelation of the goodness of God, communicate with them in a way that you can keep a clear conscience so that they can receive the message that you have. Mark 16 says this, then he said, go into the world, go everywhere and announce the message of God's good news. Somebody say good news to one and all. I love, I love it when Michael is in the service. He sits right back here typically. And when we're in worship, I mean, you guys worship incredibly, but I hear voices. It's such a pleasure. Sometimes I just turn around and just watch you guys worship. It's inspiring how much you love on Jesus in worship. But from time to time above the level that you're singing, I can hear Michael in the background. Thank you, Jesus. Praise your name, Lord. I mean, he's just back there going to town. And some people would say this. Man, he's just making a show of himself. But what I've learned is this. When you've been forgiven much, you love much. And I don't know about you, but I've been forgiven a lot of stuff. And so it's easy to press in and to lift my voice to praise the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You forgive much. You love much. You know, when I was in college, my parents were, uh, my dad was alcoholic all my life, really. In fact, when I was growing up, when I was in like uh, second or third grade, and my dad worked out on the oil field, and it was common for them, the company that he worked for, if those guys weren't buzzed or soused by nine in the morning, there was something, because that was kind of the norm. And so he just got into a pattern of abusing alcohol. And in fact, Becky and I started dating in high school, and Becky never really knew my dad sober. There were times that I'd come home from college, and my, he and my mom were separated and or divorced, and my dad would be passed out on the lawn, so I'd pick him up and carry him back on the inside. And I mean, he's just going through a tough time. And as far as I can remember, except for a wedding and funeral, my dad had, had never been in church before, wasn't really interested in spiritual things. But I remember I was going to school at the University of Tulsa in, uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and God just put it on my heart to stop by and talk to my dad about the things of God. And that's an awkward conversation because I know he's not interested, you know, and I know he's like a, a, an alcoholic and, and he's just going through a rough time. And so I just, I stopped by and I just went in with him and I just said, just made a little bit of small talk. And then I said, Hey dad, how's your life going? As soon as I asked that question, he just dropped his head. He knew. Seriously, we don't have to point out people's sin. They, they know the stuff that they're in. They just need hope of how to get out of there. And so I just started talking to him about going to church and about the plans that God has for him. And I just said, I said, Dad, if just one prayer, I mean, just reach out to God and, and he can change your life today. And he looked at me and he said, Mark, there's, there's so much stuff that I've done that I just, I, I'm not ready. I just need to get some stuff right. And, and then I'll talk to you possibly about going to church one day. So I was just having a conversation with him. You know, Dad, we're not promised one more day. And, and really today's the day. You don't have to clean up anything. You just give your life to Jesus and he'll take care of the rest of it. And he looked at me and he goes, 
you're going to be a pretty good preacher one day. If you can talk to me about these things, you're going to talk to some people about Jesus. And I'd love to tell you that that day he gave his life to Jesus, but he didn't. Two days later, he passed away. I don't, I don't know what happened in those 48 hours. I pray there was a moment of connection between him and God. I pray. I don't know. All I know is I'm not responsible for the end result. All I'm responsible to do is deliver the message of God's love and hope to people. And do that in a way that they can receive it. Sometimes we need to drop the mic and not say anything. Sometimes we need to drop the mic and lower the volume so that we can deliver the message that God wants them to hear. How do do I know when to be quiet? How do I know when to speak up? Here's a litmus test for you. What you're getting ready to say, what you're getting ready to post, does it point out how wrong someone is or does it point people to Jesus? Here's a key. Seek it, speak it, keep it. Seek it, speak it, keep it. Listen to what that means. If it brings life, seek it. If it's faith-filled, speak it. If it tears down, keep it. If it doesn't point people to the hope and life, Jesus, don't say it. If it does, speak it boldly. Drop the mic and don't say anything when your words or your posts bring division or is filled with murmuring or complaining. Speak up when you have an opportunity to bring the good news of Jesus to someone. You see, what you say doesn't just affect you. It affects everyone on the receiving end. And I'm just telling you, God will take your sweet words and actions and use that to bless many. If you give God a morsel, he'll turn it into a mountain of blessing for many people. Well, practically, how do I do that? How do I get, because I don't know if you're wired like me, I'm like not wired to do that. How do I get there? How do I move forward? How would I practically begin to use my words to bring life? Well, three things quickly I want to share with you. First of all, be prepared. Get in church every week. Maybe you're here today and you're here about once every four, five, six weeks. You're getting a partial meal. I know there's times you're going to be out on vacation. I was going to give up vacation. But as often as you can, be in church. Because every week you're going to get a life-giving message. An encouraging word to help you live out your faith. Be prepared. Get in church weekly. Go through the growth track. One of the, gro- the growth track is one of the greatest tools I've ever experienced in church life because it helps you discover how God naturally wired you and the gifts that you already have and how to use those in a positive way. Get in church weekly. Go through the growth track. Join a small group. Surround yourself with the right people that can encourage you. Serve on the dream team because you'll be right along somebody that may have had a fantastic week, may have had a horrible week, but they're going to be here week in and week out and they're going to be able to speak life to you when you have difficult weeks. So be prepared. Be aware. Take a look at what you're posting. Take a look at at, at what you're saying, what you think, what you say, how you react, and how it's affecting those around you. And then finally, be bold. 
determined to know what to do when you drop the mic. Sometimes say nothing. Sometimes speak up, but always, somebody say always. Always use your words, actions, and posts to only share the love and hope of Jesus and point people to Jesus. 